TLGPE DNA shares some of the tips and tricks required to deliver outstanding PE lessons. In these podcasts, we focus on the how to teach element of PE, looking specifically at how we teach, how we maximise learning and how we grow the individuals. Teach, learn, grow. The principles that TLGPE was founded on. Hi everyone, welcome to this, the TLGPE DNA podcast. I'm Matt and again I'm joined by Colin today for this podcast and we're going to talk about the learning environment which is one of the four areas of how we maximise learning in PE. Hi Colin. Hello Matthew. You well? Very well thank you, very well. Good, good. So the learning environment involving things for our regular listeners such as getting your equipment ready. Yeah it is, yes (laughs) it is and having all your balls pumped up and all that. We'll get there, we'll get there. there. (laughs) But no it's, I mean in in summary it's... um, I guess the easiest way of saying it is it's replicating your classroom for PE lessons. So, you know, not necessarily taking your classroom outside, you know, when we say take your classroom outdoors, but not picking up the chairs and tables and moving them outside, but but replicating uh, the rules, the expectations and the teaching strategies that you would use in your classroom. Yeah, they, you know, they if, if it's inside your classroom and it works and it's possible to do outside, why wouldn't you do it outside? Yeah, so, I think, you know, some of the examples we'll, we'll sort of discuss are things like working walls, you know, so um, we often see in schools P displays, you know, so we have a P wall. Um, yeah. What that wall's purpose for generally is to show visitors or people coming into the school what we do in P and some of our achievements. So it's, it's there to show off our provision. But what we don't see as much of is is working walls. So actually walls that have been designed to aid the development of the children, to aid their learning. So, you know, you would go in a classroom and you would see a, a display wall or a numeracy wall or a literacy wall that the children would be pointed in the direction of to aid their learning, or they would just learn from subliminally as they see it all day, every day. Why can that not be replicated in in PE? Why can that not be something where we create that environment to help us teach? You know, and that's that's one of the sort of things we talk about when we say take the classroom outside. Is not pack up your chairs. Yeah, I mean, I've I've got I've got two things to speak to you about there. Really, one is you know taking the classroom outside. That initially for me, or primarily for me, it's really important that you know the children have just had possibly just had. Playtime, lunchtime, free time, in effect. Yeah. Um, in an area that ten minutes later, after getting registered and changed, they're going back out to yeah. for a lesson for yeah. learning time. Yeah. That's important, and also that you say the working world and things. If we take them outside, one of the frustrations, and if for good reason, but one of the frustrations is because yeah, how do I throw that ball again? How do I do this? How do I do this? how do I hit this ball? How do I strike this ball? How do I do whatever? Yeah. In a classroom, would a teacher answer every single one of them classroom uh, no. questions? No, no, they. I, I don't know what other schools use. You know, I've seen a lot of times the four Bs: the brain, boss, buddy, and board, or something. Is it like that? Or boss is the last one. Wrong order. Yeah, yeah the boss yeah. is the last one. Is yeah. the point? So have that board out there. You know, they've already got their buddies. They've already got their own. But have that board out there as a third option. Yeah, because it it, it breeds individual learning so yeah. it breeds independent learning and it breeds people who or young people who can go and find a solution you know so that's where the four b's the brain the body the board the boss that's where those four b's come from you know but it's not that difficult to do you know i think that if you're outside there is a, a an amazing amount of outdoor display cabinets that you can buy you know yeah. weatherproof display cabinets if anyone wants to tell me they've got no money for it, we can do a whole heap of podcasts on P and Sport Premium Funding. <laughs> and have, you know, so um, 
there's there's money available for it, but it's one of those things that we don't think about because it's not new footballs, it's not a trim trail, it's not you know. But actually, to in, to improve learning, outdoor display boards are really good, and if you can then put those uh, working walls together for what the the kids are working on, it suddenly turns your outdoor space or your hall into something that replicates a little bit of a classroom. You know. Yeah, I mean, even even without the display cabinets, you've um um. I don't mean to sound patronising. Most schools have got a laminator and you'd like to think a fence around the school. Yeah, there's always a way. <laughs> there's, there's, there's many ways. Yeah, yeah, there's always a way. And, you know, if you're inside the hall, you've generally, most schools have got a screen and a video so you can play things on that like you would your automatic, your whiteboard in school or your yeah. automatic screen in school. Worst so, case scenario, you'll have a wheelie whiteboard. You know. Yeah, and there's always a way. And it, it's the key thing is it's about making sure the children understand that whilst it's fun whilst it's different while we change whilst we change our clothes fundamentally physical education is about learning the skills that we are teaching you in PE yeah. so subsequently it is a lesson and because it's a lesson we have to teach you in a way that we would teach you inside the classroom so we are going to use lesson introductions we are going to use starters we are going to use QFLs we are going to use um outros at the end of the lesson summative uh, sort of chats to make sure people have got an understanding of what we've been teaching you know we're going to use those skills and techniques we're going to have the same behavioral management strategy that we use in the classroom we're going to work off the same principle of you know whatever we do inside three strikes and you're out or you know green and red boards or whatever method the school yeah, uses yeah. we're going to continue that process through PE it's going to resonate through PE because and that's where teachers have the benefit of external coaches coming into schools because they know that process. So yeah. they can do that a lot easier than somebody coming in externally can. You know, as soon as you bring somebody in externally, the reality is that it looks to the children like playtime because it's somebody else. It's a, it's a, a, a lunchtime supervisor. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I can test the boundaries, I can push them. Whereas when a teacher does it, they know the boundaries already because it, it's a continuation of what they've had all morning or all afternoon. So, you know, it's really important that 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 classroom environment or that classroom feel or whatever word you want to use for it resonates through PE and if you can make it look like the classroom with working walls with you know QFLs with intros on the whiteboard with learning objectives stated on the board with the date next to them you know all the things you would do in your normal lesson then that helps increase the teaching and learning capabilities for the for the lesson yeah I mean also the other thing in the classroom you know the person teaching the lesson leading the lesson tends to be Mr jones for the sake of a name if you've got a outdoor uh, outside provider coming in to do your yeah. PE lessons sometimes not all the time but yeah. sometimes that's hey oh, guys jimmy's here again to do your PE. Yeah. that it just that jimmy instead of just that jimmy instead of mr johnson makes the difference yeah, yeah exactly and you know i, I that look that's that's personal preference to yeah schools. of course it is. you know yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's what they want to do i think there's there's definitely an argument that if you want them to come in as teachers and you want you to teach your PE curriculum, then they should be treated as teachers. You know, there's a whole heap of things like, you know, people that go into schools regularly as coaches and wear visitors badges rather than school badges. Yeah. You know, that implies that you're not really part of the staff. You're not really part of the team. People that come in and have their first names used, people that come in and then they get a different person every week because the coaching company changes yeah, yeah, the yeah. provider. You know, they're, they're not great, but this is aimed at actually teachers and getting you know we we firmly believe that teachers should teach PE so this is about yeah. how to help you do that yeah. and if you can replicate your classroom rules 
and uh, the way you do things, then that helps. And you know, the other thing is making sure that when you do go out to do PE, you're in the right place for it. I think this is another one that, you know, you you set out to succeed in the lesson by putting the lesson in the best place possible yeah. to to get success in it. So, you know, some some examples are, and I know that these differ when schools don't have certain facilities, but you probably wouldn't do a gymnastics lesson on the field, <laughs> yeah. you know? And they're the obvious ones, but then there are other ones where it's like, right, we're gonna do tag rugby, shall we do it on the playground? It's like, okay, well, possibly not, you know? Reality is possibly not. Certainly not to the point of, I wanna play small-sided games and I want to get people running around, and because you know you've got the, the motion of scoring a try by default is going towards the ground. Yeah. So if you're off balance, if you're uh, if you're slightly sort of running too quick, there is a you are heightening the ability to fall over, and subsequently, you know, that's from a health and safety point of view, that's not ideal. So making sure that you you set the children up to succeed is important. You know, if you if you're trying to do a 400 meters in athletics and you're doing it around the playground. You know, is that going to work from a you yeah, know quality yeah. of teaching point of view? Um, and you know, you joked about it earlier, but having the equipment ready is really important when you're talking about the learning environment. Having the having the environment ready to learn, and I think that for me with equipment, I know we've joked before about not being pumped up and not being ready, but this is no different to any other subject. No. You know, you have the resources available for your lesson and. If you're doing an art lesson, you may have to spend a fair bit of time before that art lesson getting the resources ready. Yeah, you know, you might have to go and find paper to cover the desk with. You might have to go and find the pen, the pens, the paints, the brushes, the, you know, whatever it is. You you have to put the effort in to get that right. And and PE is no different. You know, PE is about right. What do I need for this lesson? What are the resources? And then putting them in place to get it. You know, you wouldn't. You wouldn't do a lesson trying to paint the sunflower. You know, like we see a lot of in schools where they have the Van Gogh type displays with the old yep. sunflower painting. You wouldn't set that lesson up and then realise you haven't got any sort of yellow or orange paint, would you? <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going that way. Yeah. You know, like you just wouldn't do that. You'd make sure that you've got your resources in place, yeah. and there's no real excuse not to. And people will say time. People will go with time, but really, there's not. You know, you just need to get that right and. It's a key thing to get in the learning environment right. You can't expect them to learn properly with the wrong stuff. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned about the location and, you know, field, playground, hall, wherever it may be. Yeah. It's also the space for it as well. Yeah. Not just not just a surface, if you like. It's the, the space as well. Yeah. And massively the, important. Yeah, so the, we're going into a little bit of coaching here, you know, from a what we're talking about. But this is, this is more about understanding coaching and trying to maximise the... Uh, what you're trying to get out of a game by the space you're putting it into. Yeah. So, you know, without going into too much detail and depth, the size of the area for a, ga- for a game is really important. So, you know, to give you a, oh, I don't know, like if you were going to play a game, trying to think of a game that everybody would know. So Stuck in the Mud or yep. Dobby Scarecrow, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You know, if you're going to play Dobby Scarecrow and you've got a class of 30 and you're going to play one game. Yeah which is probably not great, but anyway. Depends on the size. <laughs> well, yeah, you probably yeah. still want it. But, and you say, right, we're going to use the football pitch. Yeah. So we've got a football pitch marked out, and we're going to play with 30, 30 kids. So the space is then, right, is this too big for what in it, what is in effect a dob game or a tag game? Is dob? Dob's a Midland thing, isn't it? Dob, know. tag, tiggy. That's yeah, so I was always dob. You know, I think it's a Midland thing. So tag, 
if we're going to play tag in a football sized pitch is that too much space is it giving the people who are trying to be or trying not to be tagged too easy an opportunity to not get tagged it's a hide in the corners thing isn't it yeah so you know and then it's then the next thing is right well with that space how many taggers do i need in that game because if i play one tagger against 29 children there's going to be an awful lot of time when yeah, 28 children aren't being chased yeah he's blowing as well that lad isn't he? Or girl, you know? yeah there's a lot of coverage of space so then it's like right well how many do i need five ten eight you know how many taggers do i have and how much space do i need so it, it's about it's about managing the space to get the best result possible for the game and I, a bit more technical but things like the shape of the space as well yeah so i'm just going to say this yeah if you if you look at rectangles which is the predominant space you would mark out yeah. or squares what they allow you to do depending on what you are working on whether that be attacking or defending in a invasion game they give they give a space for people to hide as you kind of just alluded to yeah. so what a lot of uh clubs and governing bodies and you know sort of coaching gurus one of a better word um, now suggest is that you look at you look at around space when you're playing attacking and defending games because they give you nowhere to hide and if you think about it from an angles point of view if you've got somebody trapped in the corner and in a hockey game for argument's sake if you're if you're the defender and you're trying to tackle the ball and the attacker is in the corner yeah they've got 90 degrees to work in to get away from you if you have them trapped trapped up against the edge in a circle then they've obviously got a bigger degree to get out of yeah so you make it harder for the defender by playing in circles or you make it easier for the attacker to get around you because they're not getting trapped yeah so it's but if you want to change that around and you want them to actually make it harder for the attacker then you might play in a square because it's easier for the defender to shove them into the corner and then tackle them yeah so it's it's who do you want to benefit from the game what size and what shape space do I use? Yeah, I mean, it's like you look you look at football now, you know, they're huge on no tackles from behind, even if you get the ball or whatever. Yeah. You know, and you'll look at the 90th minute going, you know, and a team's 2-1 up. Where are they going? They're going straight to that corner because they know they can't be tackled from. Yeah. So you turn your back and you protect the ball. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it, it's, just, it's just about manipulating the playing area to get the maximum success for the game or the activity that you're delivering. Yeah. And, you know, when you're looking at learning the environment... It's about creating that environment that maximises the chance of success. So, you know, playing dobby on a or tag on a football pitch does not necessarily create an environment where the tagger would be overly successful. Yeah, it does it, create an environment where the people avoiding them would be successful. So it depends on what you're. But not necessarily by doing anything to. Yeah, and not necessarily by enjoyment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the other thing that's important to maximise the chance of the learning is the time and use. You know, we're talking about the learn learning environment. It's having things ready to make the transitions from game to game or activity to activity. Yeah, and that's difficult quick. because because that's not that's more uh, impactive than in the classroom. You know, so going from yeah. one component of your lesson to the next in the classroom isn't generally as impactive as it is when you're doing that outside or in the hall or of course. something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So you've got to you've got to be very good when you're looking at peer, at managing time. You know, and, and and also managing those transitions sort of effectively, I think is one for want of a better word, and, and effectively in a time way. So making sure that they're not long 
pauses of activity because yeah. you know that's when you start getting people switch off you know idle hands start getting a bit tetchy and they start yeah, touching they do, yeah. and you know they start being getting into mischief so having that transition from one component to the other and being aware of what that transition looks like and how you want it to work is really important and making it smooth I guess yeah most of that tends to be like just the setup of what it is do you know yeah what because I mean? by talk- default you're, you're creating you're creating learning spaces aren't you so you're creating mini classrooms you're creating yeah yeah you know t- turning this these two squares into four or you're you're putting hoops down in the corners or you're you know something is changing for the game and, and if they're sorry if, if they're really simple changes or the the more you can make them simple changes as you know the older the learners get the more you can say right this class you go and put a blue a blue hoop in each corner of the pitch on the outside of the pitch but on each corner they're great when the when the space is changing dramatically you're at very least going to have to do one and you're going to have to do it quickly yeah let everybody see it change it you know but i think that you know that when you when you get the children to change the space and get involved in that transition i think that that's quite a good way of testing a teacher's and the children's opinion of pe because that can be made to be a very slow process yeah 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 on yeah. both sides yeah you know so you can have you can have teachers that slow down and go right i'm just going to mark out four more areas while I do that you guys run around the field or something like that and all that's really doing, doing is losing five minutes of quality teaching time absolutely. and quality learning time absolutely and likewise they can say to the children right you go and set it up and then just wait and wait and wait until it's set up right yeah so you, you've got to be very wary of you know the, the children as a group and the teachers as to which was the right way to go you know for me I just want to do it the quickest way yeah I don't really care whether that's the children doing it or the teacher doing it or the TA doing it or it's just got to be done quickly and smoothly because otherwise, you know, that that learning environment is captured in a 50-minute window at best generally. Yeah. You know, and that's that's generous if I'm getting 15 yeah, minutes yeah, of PE. Yeah. So if I'm wasting 5, 10, 15 minutes changing games, transitioning spaces, explaining rules then what I'm actually doing as an active PE lesson where I'm trying to improve the quality of teaching and learning is going from 50 minutes to 40 minutes to 30 minutes to, definitely, you know. And we, we've talked before a lot about being able to track an individual child in PE and saying to subject leaders, you know, when you go and watch a lesson, pick two children at different spec, yep. you know, different ends of the spectrum, not the two sportiest, not the sportiest and the least, just two random children and just watch them watch them for that 50 minutes and see the level of activity that that child has and you would nine times out of ten you will be amazed at how little it can be yeah yeah especially if you're looking at drill-based learning so drill-based learning is where you're you know lining up to take a turn yeah of course so if you're if you're doing that you might go right we're going to play this game for 20 minutes or we're going to do it 15 minutes but if you're waiting for seven people to have a go before you get a go and seven of the people in front of you are not great at it in that 15 minutes you might have three goes yeah yeah and that's when you go oh i didn't really notice that because i didn't think of it as what that and you don't in fact you know unless you're looking at it, sometimes you don't no you, no you, that's you, what i'm saying that's what you know there. we say to subject is go and look at that just yep. don't just always look at the teacher look at a couple of learners and just see what their experience of p is like because they might not say i don't like it they might they might not even know that that's not great yeah that's just what it is 
Yeah. But actually, it's not that active. I mean, what there's something you said in there as well about, you know, the, the couple of kids in front of you are really struggling to do what they do. I, this is, I know this isn't where you're going with this, but it just made me think. A lot Going back to learning environment itself, it needs to be an environment where it's it's okay to fail. Yeah, absolutely. It, in, I mean, I've I recently I, I recently saw uh, spoke to a child the other day. Um, he tried something one time, couldn't do it, and for want of a better way of putting this, dummy out, tore yeah. out the pram, everything. He was he literally almost had a breakdown that he couldn't do it. And I, I went to speak to him, and I kept saying to him, you know, what's the matter? I failed. I failed. I failed. I said, no, you, you tried, you didn't do it this time, you might do it, fail, the word fail just came out so many times. Um, so I got a whiteboard, or used the whiteboard I had, wrote, I said, can you spell fail, it was year three, I said, can you spell the word fail? And he says, yes, yeah. write it on that board for me, F-A-I-L, obviously. And I said, right, is that a positive word or a negative word? He says, well, really negative. I says, well, I look at it as positive, and I just turned it into an acronym, is it acronym where you have one letter yeah. of each thing? And said, so next time someone tells you you failed, tell them that's great because it's your first attempt in learning. It turned his whole mindset around and he now sees fail as a positive word. So when you say it's okay to fail in this, they think, oh, I don't want to fail though. Yeah. Try things, give it a go. You know, that's, I think we've spoke many a time, I'm rambling now, sorry. I think we've spoke many a times about, is it, is it was it the England rugby team or the New Zealand rugby team? They just, when they're on the training, literally you can try anything you want because I don't care if it messes up here. Yeah, I mean, you listen. You, know, you, you don't create from a again. We're going into coaching mode, but yeah. you don't create adventurous, um, creative players without creating a, an environment where it's okay to fail. Yeah, because if you, you know, if you'd have said to uh, trying to think, some Eden Hazard, you know, is a Premier League footballer, yeah. um, a wizard with the ball at his feet. If he'd have been told to stop dribbling every time he got tackled as a kid, then he would not have developed the skill set he now has. Yeah. And we went through a stage as a country, by the way, where we did used to almost encourage children not to dribble. Oh, good grief, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when uh, thinking back to the sort of the Gaza era and things like that, we kind of went, Gaza was probably the last one for a long time before people were allowed to be creative with the ball. You know, and yeah. you, you want to develop from a coach... You know, if I'm if I put my England hockey hat on and my kind of other life, your your job as a coach is to develop creative thinkers who will make decisions based on the situation they face in a game. So you want them to come up against a, uh, something and make a decision about the best way to deal with that. And to do that, they have got to learn that it's okay to try something and it not work. Because you'll never know if it does work unless you try it, and if you create an environment where they won't try, you're in the, you're in a vicious circle. So, don't you know if somebody throws a ridiculous pass in rugby, don't chastise them, don't criticise them. It's okay, by the way, to say there were other options available. Yeah, there was a simpler option, but don't just belittle the fact that they've just thrown a a daft pass for want of a better word because they're trying something imaginative. And, you know, that just doesn't come from you as well. I think this is a critical thing to say in all this is that, you know, it's not just the teacher or the coach that creates an environment where it's okay to fail. Children need to be built into that process because Absolutely. it's generally the children who will criticize each other when they give the ball away or when they do something in inverted commas wrong. Yeah. 
that the kids will be like, oh, you're rubbish. You you keep dropping the ball. You keep doing this. You keep doing that. You can Bang, do. That's my interest in sport gone. Yeah, yeah, and that's your that's your okay to fail environment gone because you might you can say as much as you like. It's okay to fail. You know, we're trying, we're learning, but the children have as much power, if not more, in that situation than you do, and you you need to really. Uh, instilled to them and that starts at a very very young age you can't you know it's much more difficult to go into year six and go right it's okay if we mess it up it's all right don't worry about it it has to come from really young infants lower key stage two where you can just create that constant environment where you try you try you try and occasionally you'll get it wrong but you keep going you know you have that resilience to get back up get back on the horse and go again and i think that's the that's the main thing yeah, I mean to to summarise, it's 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 an it's an environment, it's a learning environment that's creating having lots and lots of fun, and also giving them the best opportunity they've got to succeed. You know, yeah, or everything we've through various covers. different through various different ways, formats, whatever you want to call it. It's about creating that that whole environment where you have the best chance possible to succeed. Absolutely, right. As always, thanks again for listening, guys. Uh, don't forget to check out all twelve of the podcasts in the TLGP DNA program. And we'll speak to you again soon.